Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Preview Show brought to you by SBK. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Miranda Hart to my Joe Hart. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. The intro, of course, being in reference to Joe Hart announcing his retirement. A player I was stunned to discover has never played in the championship. I thought he may have had a loan or something early in his career or maybe a one-off appearance when he was back up at Burnley or something like that. I don't know. But 52 appearances in League 2, 11 in League 1, 340 in the Premier League, not in the Championship. A real sad Mm. state of affairs for me, Justin. Yeah, we could have really used a personality like him, especially a goalkeeper. We don't get too many, do we? Um, but then again, like I mean, his career is not particularly a surprise to not see him drop into the championship, considering that he was, he went, was at Shrewsbury, wasn't he? he? Went straight to Manchester City, and then broke into yeah. the first team there. Yeah, but Justin, I, I was just picturing like I'm sure he must have had like a rogue loan spell at Ipswich or something like <laughs> that, where he played just two games when he was really young but I was surprised really he seems to have played in every single competition apart from the championship so we can't really judge him of whether or not he could be considered a legend of the game I mean he's won so many honours uh, at club level mm. so I think he does fit that category in England number one for a long time as well but he's never played in a championship which brings me back a little bit I, I'm not I'm not going to jump into the legend status just yet I'm not sure even if he had played in the championship he'd well, be a legend well, of the game savage. to be honest savage <laughs> Question for you. How many England caps do you reckon he's got? 58. 75? When did they happen? That's exactly what I thought. (laughs) It felt like he was England's first choice, but he was only for about five years. So 75 caps seems to have come out of nowhere. Maybe he must have just added a few on when no one was looking. I mean, I'm not going to question his Wikipedia page. Anyway, welcome to the England Bond Championship podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Yes, this is the preview show brought to you by SBK and we'll be making our predictions for the weekend and I'm bloody excited to do it. So we'll be talking about our game of the weekend. No surprises for guessing what that's going to be. Um, and we'll also make our banker predictions, our outsider predictions, and then we'll finish off with a little game of Scott High or Ryan Lowe right at the end of the show. So let's kick things off with our game of the weekend, which is an absolutely humongous clash. It's Leeds v Leicester. Leeds are 11 to 10 to win this one with SBK, while Leicester are 5 to 2. Oh boy, this is juicy. This is a proper thigh rubber. Of the highest order, isn't it, Justin? I've got goosebumps. There's parts of me throbbing, which simply shouldn't be right now. Because this is basically as big as it gets right now, isn't it? Second v first. Yeah, I mean, there's other things that get uh, or as big as it gets, aren't they? If you're talking about it like that. Um, oh, you are right. You're absolutely spot on. It is one of those games that just gets you off your seat. Um, and I, you know, I'm maybe not that as excited as you are. Don't get me wrong. I am excited. My mouth's watering. I'm sort of I'm dancing in my chair a little bit in, in trepidation, um, but there's no there's no lust here, there's no enjoyment here. But it is a huge game, and it makes it more tasty because of how the championships setting itself up now, especially the title race. Um, obviously, Leicester having a little bit of a wobble. I say a little bit of a wobble. They lost the last game to Middlesbrough. Yeah, they've lost um, one game. <laughs> but that is a weird thing for Leicester. You're right. This season, you're right. It? In the context of this, it is a wobble, pretty much, isn't yeah. it? I think it's interesting, Justin, that these two were the pre-season favourites to win the championship with SBK. Leicester were 4-1, to one, Leeds 6-1. to one. I'm told that these two have essentially been the favourites to get promoted all season, just to add a little bit of extra spice to this already very spicy game. But look, Leeds have been flying recently, haven't they? Eight Mm -hmm. wins on the bounce, just one goal conceded in that time. And 
it looked for the longest time like Leicester were simply going to trounce off with the league type league title. And as things stand, it still does look that way. But if they lose here, it could be squeaky bum time for the Foxes, couldn't it? As you say, lost to Middlesbrough at the weekend and suddenly it won't be maybe looking as comfortable as it once was. I think when you when you consider that or when you bring in the comment into the conversation that Leicester are having a wobble, it's mainly because one game. It was a, yeah, it was a one <laughs> it's one defeat, but it was a bruising defeat to Middlesbrough where tactically they were sort of outdone at times by by Michael Carrick. And then they're coming up against a Leeds team at Ellen Road. It's gonna be so, so difficult. And as you say, three points. Um, three points against their losing three points against their immediate rival can be such a damaging thing for them. But uh, you know, I think um, with Leicester, they've, they've built up such a cushion now. I don't think they'll let it get to them too much. But as you say, you, you're looking at a team who are looking like they were going to win the league at a canter, and now because of how relentless Leeds and Southampton have been, they've closed the gap. And yeah, that does that does make it a little bit nervy for for the uh, yeah top side at the moment. Well, it's interesting that both managers have been playing down the importance of the game and some Marasca's. <laughs> has said Leicester's destiny with regards to to promotion won't be determined on the night. Daniel Farker believes that even if Leeds win, Leicester are definitely going up. Anyway, interesting that they would do that. Maybe it's just mind games. But the matter of the fact is this. Leicester, of course, coming off the back of a loss to Middlesbrough. And because of the relentlessness of the top four, any sort of slip-up is getting mercilessly punished. So back-to-back losses for Leicester is essentially the equivalent of five losses in a row for a team outside of the top four, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. I mean, they would go, they, they, they would still be six points ahead of Leeds. We've, we've got to remember that. But they had a 12-point lead this time last week. So if that lead gets halved in the space of a week, it would undoubtedly be worrying for Leicester, particularly because it's not just Leeds breathing down their neck at this point. Ipswich seems to be back on track as well. And it won't take much for Southampton to be on course again either. So... Leicester have to look at this as a must-not-lose game. Otherwise, I mean, a draw won't be a bad result by any means. Yeah. A win will be a fantastic result. But a loss, that is a bruising, bruising result from a Leicester City perspective. On the other hand, Justin, if Leicester win, that's pretty much the title race over with, isn't it? Yeah, I think psychologically it's, it's a big one. Obviously, as I was saying with Leeds, they gained, a, gained three points on an immediate rival. So mathematically, whilst it's still possible to lose a title, it's a psychological aspect that's really going to sway it. And I think if you can go to Ellen Road, beat Leeds, who are, what, won eight games on the trot, conceded one goal in that time, go go to Ellen Road and beat them, um, your confidence is going to be through the roof. You're going to walk into games and be like, well, we can do anything now. Because no matter who or where you are in the league or who you are, going to Ellen Road away on a Friday night under the lights is going to be a difficult game. Everyone's going to be G'd up. Big, big hard week at work. Coming into the game of this magnitude, everyone at Ellen Road is going to want it. Every single person there. So you go away, you get three points. Yeah, yeah, tops done and dusted. Well, as we say, with SBK, Leeds are 11-10 to 10 to win this one, while Leicester are 5-2. to two. So Leeds heading into it as favourites. Not very often that Leicester are the outsiders for a game, but based off their recent form and the record at home, Leeds will be disappointed if they get anything less than three points here, won't they? As I say, not a position that often happens when Leicester are involved, but that's the situation we've got here, isn't it, Justin? I think that's the, the key thing. It's, it's mainly down to Leeds' momentum, isn't it? Leeds' momentum that they've gathered over the past few weeks 
um, has been relentless and you, you sort of you take that into every game and you do you do forget as well because of how good they are going forward so how good they are they've been at the back as well um, and I think you've got to really pay a lot of attention and applause to Daniel Farker for being a little bit more direct than probably what he's used to because that Norwich side wasn't as direct as this, as this Leeds team and I think that's going to suit Leeds against this Leicester side so you're quite right they, they, they head into the, the favourites and I think they'll be disappointed if they don't come away with anything less than three points because they're going to be well up for it and it's at Ellen Road and that's a, that's a huge huge factor um, for them they've not lost it at all either they're, they've got an incredible home record this season so going into that uh, and not coming away with three points yeah you'd be pretty pretty sad something you failed to mention there as well Justin Leeds beat Leicester at the King Power back in November as yeah, well didn't yeah. they and Leeds were just exceptional that day Leicester just could not handle them and if we see a repeat of that it's going to be a long night for Enzo Oreska's lads so look Nonto, Somerville and Rutter have been in brilliant form recently too. Leicester simply have to get a handle on them. And if they don't, then they could run riot and mm-hmm. really take Leicester and put them to the sword. Now it's time for our second tier bet builder with SBK. And with SBK, you can create your own bet builder with a range of markets for any championship game. It's easy, fast and secure on the SBK mobile app. And you'll find substantially better odds there than any other bookmaker. So every Friday, we're making our own bet builder with four selections all relating to our game of the week. So that's two for Justin, two for me. Justin, what are your selections for this mighty, mighty fixture? Oh, it's a tasty one, isn't it? I'm going for a Leeds win and Crescencio Somerville to score. Ooh. Leeds' momentum, I mean, I've said it already, the momentum has really pulled me into this one. And that's what I was also saying. The way they play, getting the ball into final third so quick, you come up against a slow possession-based side like Leicester, there are going to be gaps to exploit when Leicester get further up the pitch. And I don't think there's a better team to do it than Leeds. And of course, having Crescentio Somerville, you've got a winger there who scored 15 goals in the league this season, an incredible return for a, for a young player who's having a real big breakout, I think, um, at Leeds. So yeah, Leeds to win, Crescentio Somerville to score. I'm all over it. There's a reason why I text you in the WhatsApp group beforehand saying <laughs> you've got to pick a result for this one because I honestly cannot call it. I don't know how this one is going to go, but I'm not going to disagree with you, Justin, on a Leeds win. I just don't want to call it. And my selections for the bet builder, Yannick Vestergaard to be carded and both teams to score and over 2.5 goals. Now, Vestergaard to be carded in four of Leeds' last five league games. The opposition left-sided centre-back has been given a yellow card. How about that for research, Peachy? Wow. And I imagine this is linked to Jorginho Ruta being the second most fouled player in the division. Of course, you know, Somerville and Nonto as well, they get fouled quite a lot too. Um, and Vestergaard could have a bit of trouble keeping a lid on those players, particularly Ruta. And he himself has collected nine yellow cards this season. So that's why I've gone for the Vestergaard selection. Both teams score on over 2.5 goals. I mean, Leeds' defensive record has been unbelievable. Just one goal conceded in eight league games. But that surely can't last forever, particularly against the top scorers in the league. So I think Leicester will get on the score sheet. And based off what this bet builder has just in, we've got Leeds to win. We obviously think it's going to be both teams scoring over 2.5 goals. So that's why I've gone for that. And a £10 bet builder with SBK on those selections returns £180. And with SBK, you can claim a 25% winnings boost on any bet builder for Leeds v Leicester. So that will take us up to £225. Minimum odds of 4 to 1 over 18s only. T's and T's apply. Please do gamble responsibly. That bet builder once again is Leeds to win, Somerville to score, Vestergaard to be carded, 
Both teams have scored over 2.5 goals. A £10 bet on that returns 225 big ones thanks to SBK's 25% winnings boost. So let's have a look ahead to some of the other games in the Championship this weekend. And in each preview episode of the second tier, Justin and I will each pick a banker, a team we think is guaranteed to win this coming weekend, as well as an outsider. So someone we think is going to win, but it's bigger odds with our friends at SPK than their opponent. We're tracking how we do as the season goes on. It's 1.4, the correct banker. Two points for an outsider. Whoever loses has to do a forfeit, which will be a coach trip from Sunderland to Plymouth and back for Justin Peach, while I'll be doing a vomit-inducing CrossFit workout for myself. However, the current scores are 36-23, to myself i managed to once again increase my lead even further after my outsider of birmingham to beat sunderland came in last weekend justin had luck with his banker but that was it so time's running out justin time is certainly running out can you make any sort of gains this weekend what's your banker big boy i've got no confidence in doing that but why not let's go for it i've <laughs> got to do it because uh yeah we do it every week. Uh, my banker is Ipswich to beat Birmingham. Now, my thinking with this one is quite obvious. Ipswich's form uh, over the past sort of three games, four games actually, has been actually very, it's been very, very good. They've turned a corner and they will win at all costs, as we saw against Rotherham. That relentlessness to go despite your setbacks is a very, very hard trait to uh, to get instilled into your team, especially at this point in the season when you've had thirty three games in your legs. But for me, players are hitting form again. Wes Burns being one of them. He was brilliant against Rotherham. Kiefer Moore is another one who, let's all be honest, I have an unhealthy obsession with. So I'm always going to pick a team with Kiefer Moore in it. Uh, and mix that, I think, as well, you know, a little bit of sadness, mix that with Tony Mowbray not being in the dugout for Birmingham. That's going to have an impact not having your leader present as well. I think Mark, Mark Venus is more than capable, long time, uh, long time assistant to Tony Mowbray. But not having your leader there might have an impact on Birmingham as well. So yeah, got my hip switch to beat Birmingham. Yeah, it's, it remains to be seen, doesn't it, how much of an impact Mowbray not being there will have an impact. Hopefully it's not anything too serious because nobody wants to see that, do they? But, I mean, look at you, Justin. You had your big agenda against Ipswich. Now you can't stop picking them as your bankers. Shameless I need you. points. <laughs> <laughs> I need points. You, you may need points, but it's quite the turn from you, isn't it? How listen, the listen, listen, I'm not two-faced. I don't stab people in the back like some people on this podcast. I'm not naming names. Might what, be you. What on earth? Where has this slanderous accusation come from? Um, basically, I have nothing to come back at you with, so okay. I'm going for your personality. Um, I think oh, that's fine. the best best route forward for me, to just attack still, you as a personal person. Still a massively slanderous accusation, which has no backing whatsoever. It doesn't until I find it. I have to find the evidence. It's uh, it's it's point the finger first, then uh, then go for the evidence, and that's exactly what yeah. I'm doing. I'm sure that works in all court cases. <laughs> um, my banker for this weekend is Sunderland to beat Swansea. It's the beginning of a new era at Sunderland. The beginning of the post banter era. I mean. They sat Tony Mowbray, got in Mick Beale, put in Newcastle banners at the Stadium of Light, lost in the time weird derby, had the manager ignore a player for a handshake, their manager had a burner account to tweet himself praise, and now he's been sacked. This all happened in the space of two months. It very much was, you know, the old Sunderland creeping back into the swing of things here. So I'm calling it. It's over now. That's done. They've knocked the banter era and its mini return 
on the head. It's time to focus on getting in the top six again now. And that's why I've got my fingers crossed that Sunderland have certainly turned that corner here. And a great way to signal the start of that is by beating Swansea, a Swansea side who are in a bit of a state, by the way. They've lost six of their last seven. And they've been pretty poor recently. The new manager, Luke Williams, has not had a good start at all. They look particularly fragile at the back, something which was a problem for Williams when he was at Notts County and seems to have carried over to Swansea. Now, I will admit, when I made this pick, that was before I saw that Jack Clark was injured, which isn't ideal, you know, them losing their best player. And I know it's Mike Dodds' first game in charge as the interim manager as well. But look... Whoever the manager is of Sunderland, they should be looking at this game as one they have to be winning because Swansea are in pitiful form and whether they've got the best player or not, Sunderland this is, they should be looking to win this game. That's why I'm going for Sunderland as my banker for this weekend. Admittedly, would be a lot more confident if Jack Clark was fit, but I'm still back in the Black Hats nonetheless. You're very confident that this banter era is over. <laughs> Very, very confident. I I don't know. I don't think you can really expect anything with Sunderland um, because they were on a good upward trajectory and then they shot themselves in the foot in sacking Tony Mowbray. And that's when the banter era really did resume once again. Because I say, they left that behind. They left that behind for a good 18 months. I mean, post-Alex Neal going into the Tony Mowbray sacking, it was a quiet, normal few months for a football club. It was nice. And then they hit the banter era once again as I say I don't think I can really lift the foot off their gas as to whether or not that's going to be over or not and I think coming up against this Swansea side who have been poor under Luke Williams I think it's very banter eerie to lose this game Um, you are right if the banter era is still lingering it would be very Sunderland for them to lose this game but I like to think that corner has been turned now, mainly because the face of the banter era in Mick Beale um, <laughs> is now out of the door. Even if he's got a burner account where he doesn't show his face, I like to think that face has uh, now um, taken the banter era with it. So that's what I'm holding on to with hope here, Justin. And as I say, if Sunderland are serious about getting in the top six, then they should be winning this game. Admittedly, Jack Clark not being there is such a huge blow. But look, Mike Dodds did great when he was uh, in caretaker charge before, didn't he? So, yeah. you know, there's still a very talented squad at Sunderland, yeah. despite Clark not being there. I was going to say, if Sunderland was serious about getting into the top six, they wouldn't have sacked Tony Mowbray and Hyde McBeal. Mm, I mean, you've, you're right <laughs> about the second part. The first part, I mean, if, if they got in Will Still, then... Yeah, that's obviously yeah, yeah, they're yeah. being serious. But Make you bring real. in a manager who's going to be better than the last one, and they didn't, and that's what I'm getting at. The I mean, have been saying that a lot in the last week, Justin. So <laughs> we don't need to repeat ourselves here. So there are mine and Justin's two bankers for the weekend, and every week we combine these two selections with a bet on the full-time results of our game of the weekend to create our very own second-tier featured multiple with SBK. So this week we're going for Leeds. Ipswich and Sunderland all to win a £10 bet on that returns £55 and with SBK you can create your own multiple with three or more bets on the full-time results of any game from across the championship T's and C's apply over 18s only and please do gamble responsibly that again is Leeds Ipswich and Sunderland all to win a £10 bet on that returns £55 with SBK Justin let's take a quick break after that we'll go through our outsiders for the weekend and finish off with a little game of Scott High or Ryan Lowe.
welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. This is, of course, the preview show brought to you by SBK. That means we're doing our predictions and it's now time for us to go through our outsiders for the weekend in the championship. Justin, what is your outsider for this weekend? I need points and hopefully this one can give it to me. I've gone with Huddersfield to win away at Watford. I'm looking forward to seeing what Brighton writer can do. Um, as a, you know, between the last last few games, caretaker Boston Wolverton has done a, an excellent job in establishing a style of play that exceeds bravery with the ball and pressing. I think that's going to be a big thing. I'm going to point out to listeners that I have spelt Brighton writer's name literally as Brighton writer. That is the best way to remember it. Jesus I uh, I push this on everyone to do it. Um, so there's a bit of a tidbit for for how the approach uh, goes for me. You but mean like uh, Brighton is in the place. Yes, Brighton, the town, the city. Um, the this is what I have to work with people. I am a professional. Leave me alone. <laughs> Watford on the other hand, they're a bit hit and miss with performances, but are capable of picking up, uh, picking up a result. weren't particularly convincing against Rotherham um, last week, but I think Huddersfield under a new coach based on the principles that have been instilled by by John Wormerton, the caretaker, I think that's going to be a really big thing going into this game. And as I say, Watford struggling to get consistency in performances might hand it to Huddersfield. Yeah, I'm uh, very curious to see how Brighton Writer does because as we were alluding to when he was appointed, it seems like it's, it's quite surprising that he's opted to join a relegation-threatened championship side when this is a guy who was a pretty much regular fixture in the Bundesliga a matter of months ago. So I'm very keen to see how he does. It seems quite exciting and this game will give us a good indicator of how he wants Huddersfield to play and what kind of success there will be in the long term. I was surprised though that you went for this, Justin, because just at the weekend you were saying you thought Watford were the third most likely side to get into the playoffs. So curious that you've gone for them to lose at home to a relegation threatened side. Yeah, curious, but I need points, right? And this was the best one I could come up with this weekend, all right? That's all I'm going for. This isn't this isn't a bias. I still think Watford uh, have a good chance of getting to the top six, which is against a lot of Watford fans are saying, by the way. But I do believe in Valerie Ishmael and the squad. But it's not without knockbacks on the way. They're still going to come up against teams and going to drop points. Um, and I think Huddersfield are in a, in a good spot at the moment, especially performance-wise. I think that's the, the key thing that they need to build upon is improve the performances and the results will come and we're seeing that and I think results will come and I think it's a good chi- a good time to play against Watford who yeah, haven't been particularly fantastic of late. Just to give you a bit more encouragement with this pick, Watford haven't won at home in the league yeah. since November. So it's a great chance for Brighton Writer to get a huge scalp in his first game in charge of the Terriers. One of the teams Huddersfield will be looking to overtake this weekend is Stoke. The big news coming out of there is that they've sacked technical director Ricky Martin, not that one. He joined in November 2022 and has had fingers pointed at him for the club's transfer business, as well as the appointment of Stephen Schumacher, which obviously hasn't gone very well so far. But look, Justin, something has to change behind the scenes at Stoke, doesn't it? It's So it's no surprise to see heads rolling, particularly with Martin. Yeah, you say not that one in uh, alluding to the pop star Ricky Martin, but it may as well have been. It may as well have been because this guy was living a vida loca with his signings, wasn't he? He's overseen 24... Justin, 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 Justin. I knew at some point you were going to drop in some sort of living la vida loca yes, pun in there. absolutely. You missed a great chance to say that he'll be livid he's leaving Stoker. I'm not that creative, especially it's, it's one of the days that maybe you might be ahead of me, but going back to, uh, going back to old Rick A., Oversee 24 signings, which is a mad scramble, uh, as opposed to rather than the careful, considered approach that maybe Stoke needed after 
gutting the club of its high earning dross that they accumulated over the years. Um, but it's hardly a surprise once again that the club have moved someone on <laughs> who that is a manager and a technical director rather than pointing the fingers at themselves because the club is directionless. Yes, Ricky Martin was bad at his job. Yes, Alex Neal didn't do a good job. But it comes it comes further up the table. Uh, sorry, the, not the table, the, the hierarchy. The hierarchy needs to look at themselves. Can't slap themselves, but that's where they need to address things. Yeah, well, you, you're 100% right, Justin. It's You can go through all the managers that Stoke have done over the past God knows how long now. And when there hasn't been any serious change in direction, you've got to look elsewhere. And that's why you've got to look at the hierarchy. To be fair, Martin has only been there for what, a year and a half? But in that time, he clearly hasn't done enough to turn things around. And I mean, the transfer business over the time that he's been there has been pretty farcical. I mean, how many how many players did they bring in in the summer? How many did you just say? It's 24 under Ricky Martin. So that's 24 in 18 months that he's brought yeah, in. 24 that he's brought in in that time. And I mean, how many of them have been successes? Not many. <laughs> um, I mean, the, the summer that's just gone has just been pretty farcical and it and um i mean how many forwards did they sign as well they seem to sign an infinite number of strikers and one of the lowest scorers in the division which i mean (laughs) says a lot doesn't it really but yeah it's stoke need to try and bring in some new way of thinking someone who actually has a plan in the long term and stoke just haven't seemed to have that particularly under martin so not surprised to see him go john walters has uh become the interim technical director i mean I always like seeing former players coming back into senior roles. I don't know how he'll do as a technical director, but, you know, best luck, best of luck to you, Johnny Walters. Uh, Let's move on to my outsider pick, Justin. I have gone with West Brom to beat Hull in the early game on Saturday. Now, undeniably, Hull have been in cracking form recently. Five wins from six, most recently against Southampton in midweek, of course, in what was a really impressive showing by the Tigers. They are a really good side, and I think they'll run the race for the playoffs right down to the wire. However, I'm siding with West Brom here because I believe West Brom will provide a stern test for the Tigers. They're just so well organised for under Carlos Corbin and will be looking to frustrate Hull as much as possible. And he's a mastermind at grinding out results in games like this, and Hull could have a difficult time in breaking them down ultimately. There wasn't too many attractive selections for outsiders in this weekend's round of championship fixtures. But if you have a chance to back West Brom against a team lower than them in the table, you're going to take it. So I fancy a victory for the Albion this weekend. I'm very happy to have them on side as an outsider, just. Yeah, it's a very smart choice. You're playing the game. You're playing the game, Ryan. That's that's why you're so far ahead of me. I'll happily admit that, but there's still yeah, time to, to cock up. Um, but you are absolutely right. I think the way Hull play might suit West Brom, actually. You know, it's quite a slow possession-based side of football. You go back to the last two away games that West Brom have played, they win away at Plymouth, which is probably one of the hardest away days in a division because of the amount of distance you've got to drive to get down there. Obviously, teams will stay in a hotel, but nonetheless... It's a long time sat on your backside, isn't it? Uh, and not training. Um, and then you go to the Ipswich game as well, where they drew 2-2. Could have seen that out. We're unlucky to be pegged back um, late in the game. But it was still a good performance. And that's what gives you a lot of um, a lot of excitement and um, you know, in, in, going into the final stage of the season because West Brom are starting to improve away from home because they haven't been great. And I think that's the only thing that might sway me towards Hull is their away form isn't great, West Brom. But the last two games probably convinced you that they might get a result here. Yeah, I was um, I was also slightly concerned about the away form, but I mean that 
showing against Plymouth in midweek was really quite impressive. They should have won yeah. it by more, really. And Plymouth are by no means a poor side, are they? At home in particular, they are really, really uh, difficult to face. So for West Brom to beat them so comfortably and maybe should have won it by more, then uh, that just gives me encouragement that they can do a job against Hull. Speaking of the Tigers, have you seen their owner, Ajahn Ilajali, may have just won the award for coolest football owner in the championship because he's been playing foot volleyball in the Dominican Republic with none other than Ronaldinho. It was broadcast live on TV in his home country of Turkey and he's apparently making a reality show with old Ronaldinho. Quite a lot to take in there, but you know what? I'm here for it, Justin. Yeah, can we not get this uh, this streamed on uh, Hall's iFollow? Because I'll definitely subscribe to this. I will definitely watch this I yeah, with subtitles, obviously. I want to see this unfold. What is a reality TV show about? What is what is going on? I need to know more. I need to know more. And I need to, I need to be televised for me. I mean, any reality TV show that's all involving Ronaldinho, I'm immediately interested because, boy, oh boy, does that guy live a life. <laughs> and while we're on the theme of Championship News, Justin, Sheffield Wednesday have a former German international training with them. Have you seen this? Left-back yeah. Nico Schultz has 12 caps to his name for the senior side, playing as recently for them as 2020 and moved to Borussia Dortmund for £22 million in 2019, but has been a free agent after having his contract terminated by Dortmund in the summer of last year. How about that? Eh? That's it's always funny with these ones, isn't it? Because so when a player was playing at the heights that he was, seemingly, I admittedly, I wasn't watching him week in, week out. But when he was, you know, playing at such a high level, just a matter of four years ago. I mean, he was playing. I think he was playing for Dortmund actually, not the season last season, the season before that. He was playing yeah. relatively regularly. Seems a bit mad, really, that he's uh, coming down to Sheffield Wednesday's level. With no disrespect, of course, but I'm Whoa. talking about you're talking about a relegated threat, uh, relegation threatened championship side. Yeah, a team 23rd in the championship is quite a, quite a drop off to what he's probably used to. Then again, if he's had as many injuries as he's had, you're going to try and find football wherever you can. So, not really surprised to see him drop down um, training at the very least, because obviously, I think you know. He, clearly has some relationship or affiliation with Danny Rawlin and the coaching staff there at Wednesday anyway so yeah it could be a coup but then again he's not played a lot of football um, recently and I think that might work against him he's got to get fit very quickly he could potentially go from playing with Jude Bellingham to Jeff Hendrick in the space of a couple of wow. years what, what a turnaround similar players <laughs> and one final thing to mention before we play Scott High or Ryan Lowe Justin is the son of a championship legend made his Premier League debut the other night I mean, this made me feel extremely old when I saw it, but Jaden Dans is the son of former Crystal Palace, Leicester and Bolton midfielder, Neil Dans. He came on as a substitute for Liverpool against Luton the other night. This is Jaden, not Neil. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I used to love Neil Dans. He was an iconic yeah. Coca-Cola championship player, wasn't he? Yeah, he really was. He's a player that, um, he's, he's a trivia question if you're talking about championship football. He really is. He's one of those that's played for a lot of clubs and done very well at a lot of clubs as well. And I don't think he's still playing now, but I wouldn't be surprised because he's the man's fit as anything. He's um, assistant manager at Tranmere, last time I checked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was playing quite recently in, in non-league. Just an incredible athlete. And for him to go that um, for as long as he was, was, was great. And, you know, to see Jaden Dans come on, is a little bit of a dagger to the heart because of the age thing. I mean, seeing Rob Edwards say himself, oh, "I played against his dad to Jurgen Klopp," and I was like, "I was like, <gasps> I love that. I really, really enjoyed." I was like that. gasping. That was I was gasping for air. Terrifying. Yeah, that that 
that was a bit of content from X, which I thoroughly enjoy. Doesn't happen very often nowadays on X, but that was a, something that put a wry smile on my face. But yeah, how about that? Neil Danza's son is now playing Premier League football. What a turn of events. Anyway, it's now time for this. Scott High or Ryan Lowe? Neil fucking shit, mate. Yes, it's now time for Scott High or Ryan Low, And this is the game where we have to rank four things from highest to lowest. It's as simple as that. There's three questions. And this week, Justin is providing the questions to me. So what have you got for me, Justin Peach, you bastard? I've got some good ones. So the first one is I want you to tell me or rank in order which current championship club has made the most managerial changes since it was rebranded. You've got Watford, Watford, Birmingham, Cardiff, and Queen's Park Rangers. Keep your... You mean just in the championship or since 2004? It didn't specify, so let's just say since 2004, since it was rebranded. Fine. Well, I mean, Watford have to be top, don't they? Surely. <laughs> I mean, I'd be stunned if they're not. Um, who are the others? Keep your Birmingham. And Cardiff. Cardiff. I think Cardiff have had a fair few in there recently. But I think they had quite a few... Managers who stuck around for a bit in the late 2000s, early 2010s. So I'll put them bottom and then I'll go Birmingham second, QPR third, although I'm questioning that now that I say it out loud. So yeah, that was. I'll go with that. Yeah, okay. So that was a bit of a disaster. You got Cardiff, right? Fine. You're absolutely spot on. They are the least um they've made the most the least changes sorry with 11 out of those teams 11 changes then it's birmingham with 12 then it's watford with 14 which makes me think it was championship oh and it's qpr with 16 yes but you didn't specify that when i was answering the question i apologize i've bought the game into disrepute you actually have and i'm not even joking when i say that what's the next question (laughs) Neil Harris returned to the dugout at Millwall this week obviously again his, uh, his third club this season so I want you to rank where his best spell came based on his win percentage so obviously you've got Millwall you've got Cambridge Gillingham and Cardiff he was at Cambridge for like two months <laughs> so it's based on his win percentage I mean, just um, give you an idea I will be honest I haven't been keeping track of how he was doing at uh, Cambridge in the two months that he was there it's bad research, bad research. Um, I mean, I'm a championship podcaster, so that's, <laughs> that's the first point we're there. Um, I mean, he was doing quite well at Gillingham before it all went a bit to shit. Although but last season, actually, it was all going a bit shit to shit as well, wasn't it? So I'm, I think I'll put Gillingham bottom, then Millwall, then Cambridge, I guess, because I simply don't really have a clue how he was doing it that very short time at Cambridge um, and then I put Cardiff top okay I don't know why you put Millwall so low but you got so you went with Gillingham bottom Gillingham bottom Millwall third bottom then, Ca- then, then Cambridge, Cambridge then Cardiff okay that was a disaster once again you got Gillingham right their bottom 90 games in charge 34% win percentage then Cambridge 35% win percentage of 14 games in charge and Cardiff, 62 games in charge, 38% win percentage. Got them into the playoffs. Got to remember that. Sign of things to come from Millwall. The Millwall, the Millwall playoff charge is on as of now. Um, and yeah, his best bowl came at Millwall with 41% win percentage, 245 games in charge. So it wasn't like really a legend. disaster. I just massively underestimated Millwall. But my thinking there was, I thought he was in a 
couple of relegation battles. Although I forget he got them promoted, I think, didn't he? Yeah, he did. did. He, get them promoted? he did. Yeah. He did. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I forgot there. So, you know, wasn't a complete disaster, but yeah, just underestimated them really. Anyway, what's the last one, Justin? So you are a massive virgin. Um, we all Thanks. know this. So <laughs> just, I want just end the to... podcast there, shall we? <laughs> that's it. That's it. I want you to rank the biggest virgin in Ryan's room right now. Um, <laughs> so I want you to tell me what the highest grossing Marvel films are. I will be disappointed if you don't get these right. So the films you've got on the table are Guardians of the Galaxy, Black Panther, Captain Marvel and Spider-Man No Way Home. Is it the first Guardians of the Galaxy? It is the first Guardians of the Galaxy. It's also the first Black Panther. Okay. I'll put Spider-Man top. Okay. No Way Home is the most recent one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Spider-Man top. Spider-Man top, definitely. Black Panther second. Then Guardians of the Galaxy. And then Captain Marvel, I think. I think. Are you gonna... I'm going to go in that order. Are you going to lock in those answers? It's. I'm certain on the first two. It's just whether Captain Marvel, even though it's by no, it's not anywhere close to Guardians of the Galaxy in terms of what is the better film. But mm. I fear it may have done slightly better at the box office than Guardians of the Galaxy. But I'll go. I'll go with that. So you're going with Captain Marvel bottom, guys. Yes, Galaxy. for God's sake. Well, you were wrong, Ryan. You should have gone oh. with your logic. You should have gone with your logic. Really? Call yourself a Marvel fan. Spider-Man No Way Home is top. 800 million, Chris, over $800 million. And then it was Black Panther, big drop-off to $700 million. And it was Captain Marvel, $420 million. And Guardians of the Galaxy, last, $333 million. Obviously, Guardians of the Galaxy was the first one that came out in 2014, so maybe there wouldn't have been an appetite. Whereas by the time Captain yeah. Marvel came out, the Marvel train was steaming along. Yeah, you're right. You're really right. And it was also between Infinity War and Endgame as well. So it's just because I thought Guardians of the Galaxy was such a good film that it must have, it it may have been better than Captain Marvel, but it obviously wasn't. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't, was it? It wasn't. It was a better film, though, wasn't it? Was it? I don't know. I don't watch him. I have a life. No, you do watch them, though. You watch Star Wars, which is even worse. Anyway, no, that's not. been Scott Higher Ryan, though. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. Justin Peach has nothing to say on that. In fact, for the listeners at home, he's nodding away. Um, <laughs> so this has been the Second Tier Podcast, and it's been the preview show brought to you by SBK. So look forward to the weekend. Hope everyone has a cracking weekend. We look forward to speaking to you again on Sunday for a roundup of all the championship games coming up this weekend. And we bloody look forward to seeing you then. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. And a big thank you for listening. Second Tier is a stack production and part of the ACAST Creator Network.